Welcome to One, a new media platform that highlights interesting personalities and their endeavors. This is a series brought to you by Carbon, which is a profit-driven social impact enterprise that creates blueprints of successful businesses that are used to generate franchises or quote-unquote carbon copies that empower communities around the world to achieve social and economic prosperity by implementing our economies in a box. We are focused on advancing education, women's resiliency, and resource efficiency, food, energy, and water. One is centered on the concept that a single individual can change the face of the world and impact humanity. There is cause and effect to all of our actions, and they can send ripples through generations to follow. One is about authentic individuals, inspiring stories, career advice, adventures, and passions. And you are hosted by Shane Baramalay, and I am a co-founder and managing partner of Carbon. This is Jason Wang, student at Indiana University. This is Akib Mohammed, student at Indiana University. This is the power of one. I hope you enjoy. You can find out more about us at www.carbongroup.global. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All right. Well, we're going to kick this off, man. I am so happy to have you on board. Uh, I could not believe it. My boy, Hakeem Valez. What's going on, everybody? Is up in the house today. Power <laughs> one. I'm here with my co-hosts, uh, Jason Wang and Akib Mohammed. Say hello, guys. What's up? What's up? Awesome. Hello, guys. Pleasure to meet you. I mean, so Hakeem and I uh, connected. I want to say about a month ago at an interesting uh, networking event that pulled us all together. There was uh, a lot of people in the sports industry and various walks of life, various backgrounds, and Hakeem and I were lucky to sit next to each other, and, you know, we really dug what each other was doing, and, uh, you know, it's funny, we both were like, yeah, we're both launching this podcast series, I guess everybody is, but, you know, we, <laughs> we have our own flavor, and, yeah, I mean, this is about, you know, inspiring individuals, authentic uh, stories that go along with that, and understanding, you know, really what drives <laughs> people to make an impact and be that single water drop that uh, causes a waterfall. So with that, um, glad to have you on. Uh, would love to hear about, you know, where you come from, what's your background. We know you were a football star, made it to the NFL, played for the Cardinals, the Lions, the Giants. Uh, but, you know, walk, tell us how you got there. Tell us a little bit about, you know, where you come from and what created the Hakeem today. Awesome. So uh, I, I grew up in a small town. Uh, called Sicklerville, New Jersey, Winslow Township, New Jersey. Um, and I mean, I, it's, I, you know, I grew up, I was strong on the books, had two awesome parents that kind of really just supported us through and through. Um, I mean, you were just those kids who were, you know, playing outside every single day, like outside as soon as you got home from school and go back inside when it got dark out. Um, that was just us, you know, played three sports, basketball, football, baseball, all year round, never took a break. Basketball and baseball always overlapped. Um, and then for high school, I went through this program called A Better Chance that helps inner city youth get essentially a better chance to get into some of the top high schools across the country. And going through that program, I was able to get some strong financial support to go to the Petty School, um, a boarding school in uh, central New Jersey, Mercer County, New Jersey. And it was an amazing experience, you know, surrounding myself with just a lot of like-minded individuals in a, such an intimate learning environment. I think the student-teacher teacher ratio was like five to one. Um, wow. 
in college. I mean, my biggest classes were like 10 people, maybe. Um, it was, it was unreal. Like my high school experience was, it was unreal. Like, and like most people will never get to experience anything like that. And I'm just, I'm for ex- like just eternally grateful for that experience. Um, and then college, you know, kind of transition from high school to college. I, I kind of, I lost a lot of opportunities after my senior year. I, I tore my labrum in my shoulder. Um, and every school didn't want any parts with me at all. It was, University of Delaware was close to giving me a scholarship. Boston College was really close to giving me a scholarship. And then two days before the first game, I, uh, one of my best friends, Bio Adeyemo, he jumped over me in like a hitting drill and I grabbed his foot and my knuckles like touched my butt oh, and my man. shoulder came out. Yeah. So I had to have. Well, so uh, when did you start even playing football? When did that whole. Uh, uh, I was probably like eight or nine years old. I didn't start oh, wow. like when I was five. It was, I was probably in third grade when I first started. Yeah, you're um, a late bloomer. Yeah, I was a late bloomer. I played quarterback, <laughs> quarterback, wide receiver, defense. I kind of played everything, but it never really was my strong suit. My like I like as a youngin, you asked me, I was I would have told you I'm going to Duke University, I'm going to the NBA, like I'm gonna be a basketball <laughs> star. Like I mean, middle school they cut our sports um, because of just budget issues. So in the mornings I'd wake up at like four in the morning and my dad would drive me to LA Fitness. And we'd get our, I get my shots in, my mid-range shots in. I put on these jump soles to help me get my calf stronger so I could dunk sooner. Um, you know, I was, I was intense, man. Like I, I was, I was, I had straight hoop dreams, and I was going to the league. <laughs> and uh, as I was, as I was junior, actually in high school, I was gonna quit football. And my, my advisor, Joe Rulewich, he had uh, given me advice saying that, you know, I, I. Uh, he said, football teaches you things. He was also he was my advisor. He was also my my head basketball coach. He was like, football teaches you things that I can't teach you on the basketball court that you bring. And I think you should stick with it for at least one more year, like my junior year. And then if, you, if you're really just over it, then your senior year, you stop playing football and you focus on basketball. And that's what we'll focus on getting you to college. And that junior year just happened to be like my breakout season at wide receiver. And like college is really interested in me like that. Summer, I went to a whole bunch of different camps with my dad, um, like recruitment recruitment camps, and like it was it was it was awesome. And that was kind of leading transitioning into that summer is when I tore my labrum um, in my shoulder. Uh, what what attributes about you do you think led to them saying, "Yo, you should look at uh, going into football and and park basketball for a while"? Um, well, it was more of we really wasn't saying park basketball he was just saying that football teaches you things that i can't and i was just that aggressive guy i mean i felt if i didn't foul out a game like it was a miracle um <laughs> oh so that, was, that was that part that they wanted you to kind of harness then exactly and it was I like see. i can't teach you that on the court but you know that having my breakout season for for football but it also we won the state championship that season also for basketball um and it was kind of but me also after that summer realizing how good I was at football. It was me just being self-aware, knowing that I'm better at football and I'll be able to get a scholarship at football versus basketball. I'm not as good at basketball as I am naturally at football. And then, like, I mean, I, if you ask me how much, I mean, from that point, how much more work did I put in? Was it football or basketball? It's a hundred times over basketball. But I was, I was self-aware to know that I'll be able to get a scholarship in football. And 
I got my first scholarship from Monmouth University and my only scholarship from Monmouth University because <laughs> after that injury, no one else wanted me. And Monmouth honored that scholarship. And uh, it's awesome. It's uh, forever indebted for that. Yeah. Uh, like one thing you talked about was, you know, your dad taking you to LA Fitness at four in the morning. That's extreme commitment. And I know your younger brother also plays in the NFL. Do you come from like a really sports family or was it just kind of like, hey, man, Hakeem is really good at basketball, football and baseball. Let's just run with it. Um, I mean, it's just, I'd say sports family, definitely, it, but we weren't like forced into it. You know, they're not like forced into it. Like, if we didn't like it, we wouldn't do it. Like we used to play soccer, but we hated it, so we didn't do it anymore. Um, and I wouldn't even say we hated it. We were honestly really good, but it was just like it was boring. <laughs> like it was just, like it was like when you're playing like the super peewee when there's no goalies and like your parents are getting in arguments because people in the crowd think that we're too old to be even be on the team. And stuff like that is like you remember things like that. Um, but from a sports perspective, yeah, I mean, my mom was a track star. She, uh, she, uh, you know, Carl Lewis. Yeah, legend. Yeah, that's Absolutely. like her. That's like her. I mean, I guess you can call it her godbrother. Like his, her, oh, her. What? Wow. Yeah, That's his mom. Crazy. His his mom was her track coach in high school, and his sister that was on their four by one team, and they still hold the national record. At the That's wild. She better be good. Oh, yeah, she's fast. <laughs> like I mean, up until I can remember, like she's beat me in a race. Like I'm trying to think of like I'm trying, like the last time we raced, it was a long. I mean, it was a while ago, but I lost. I got smoked. <laughs> like she's fast. Um, and then yeah, my little brother. Wow. Um, he's a stud, too. I mean, he went to UVA, left as a sophomore, went to the NFL. Um, he's actually going to be in the CFL this year playing for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, but wow. if you ask me or my brother who's the most athletic, it's actually my older brother. He's, he's 31. He doesn't um, play sports but um, like anymore. But like he, he was, he's more athletic than me and my little brother put, uh, probably put together. But So, yeah, we, I mean, we come from a sports family. But, like, I mean, we just grew up from just, like, like our backyard, we lived on like maybe a half of acre, but like I mean, our backyard we turned it into a baseball field. We had a like our, not a real basketball court, but like a, the cement on the side of the house and a yeah. court right there. And <clears throat> that was like a that was like a makeshift court, and then we had a football field whenever we wanted it to be a football field. Like I mean, like the corner of the corner of the patio is what is that? That was first base. The rock by the in the middle of that yard was third base. And like the pine tree was second base and like the fence was home run. Like it was that was that was life growing up. Man, so yeah, like, man. You know, what one one quick thing, the this whole concept of like uh athleticism running in the family, the more I talk to a lot of professionals, it seems to be the case. Like do you run into that with a lot of your peers? as well like do they all have talent that kind of runs throughout oh absolutely i mean most guys you see it on like most nfl guys or that i've known most of their brothers are super athletic they're either trying to make it to the nfl as well in college or like in like an ulterior league like aaf or cfl or something like that um or really dominant in another sport whether it's basketball baseball or something like that it's just it you know it the success just breeds success i guess or the what you surround yourself with i mean like me like i mean the people i surrounded myself with growing up like i mean i went i was pro athlete my brother was a pro athlete my best friend who lived down the street was a pro athlete and then another one of our friends like he's a i'm trying to think what he is now i think he's a semi-pro athlete um <laughs> baseball but like 
it's 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 who you surround yourself with. Yeah, man, I remember growing up. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Shane. No, go ahead. uh, Okay, yeah, I remember growing up, my dad, my parents would literally do everything for me in terms of sports. Um, On the weekends, we'd get up at like 6 a.m., 5 a.m. They'd drive me three hours to play soccer. And during the week, they would do, uh, they would wake me up early and then they'd take me to practice in the afternoon. So I understand like how big of a part they played in your sports life. And like, but like sports plays such a huge part in who I am today. And I kind of just wondering, like, what skills did you learn growing up playing sports that are transferable to what you're doing now? You learn how to lose. <laughs> you know, most people yeah, don't know how to. Most people don't learn how to lose. You know what I'm saying? Losing yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And if you go, if you go through life and everything is just spoon fed to you, and you never lost, you never been through some tough times, then you get smacked in the face by real life, or you just you don't really know what life. Like, I mean, sports is that perfect metaphor for life, like being knocked down. And what are you going to do in that situation? Are you going to just sit there and, you know, mope or, you know, grind through the pain or grind through? I mean, it's beauty in the struggle. And you really, I mean, it's true. You, you learn how to lose. Like, I mean, I was always just a fierce competitor, like T-ball. They, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they, yeah, they make a tie at the end of the game. Like, who won at the end? Like, I was <laughs> keeping score. We got back. Coach is like, it was a tie. I stand up. No, we won six to one. <laughs> like that was, was me. I, I, that's, <laughs> there's winners and there's losers, and that's I'm not not in like a bad way. I'm just mm-hmm. like that's that's what it is. And if you don't learn that, I feel like at the young age, and it's like you gotta you gotta understand what that feels like, and and learn how to hone it, and you know what I'm saying, figure out how to work yeah. with it. I think and, I think that's some my yeah my bad sorry. I, um, I think that some of my best memories are honestly the ones where I've lost and then I've came back, you know, where you're mm. sitting there and you're just your hands are in your face and you're just like wondering like what you could have done better. But then the mm. weeks after you're just the best because you're just grinding and you're just making yourself a better person, promising to yourself that it's never going to happen again. No doubt, bro. No doubt. I mean, one thing that kind of stands out to me about your story is, you know, talking about getting knocked down and having to get back up your injury that was happened right in kind of like the prime of your career right before college like what kind of kept you going through a time as difficult as that oh man that was a that was a rough time man it was that happened my my roommate at the time was my best friend he was my roommate for three years in high school he'd gotten actually kicked out of our high school at that time mm-hmm. and that was like it was kind of like because it was now it was like i was like alone on top of that like being at a boarding school like it was cool like having a you know room by yourself but it was still kind of it's lonely and you don't get anybody to talk to at that age and you're just living not i mean obviously you got people to talk to you got friends and all that mm-hmm. um but just living in a room by yourself with no roommate at you know 17 18 years old and you just got you just got you just messed up your arm you just you know schools are just dropping you like not answering your calls anymore shout out to delaware Shout out to Boston College. Um, <laughs> and, like, it's, like, that it puts you in, like, a – I can't even explain what that – it was It was a rough time, but it was honestly, like, I had just great friends, like, to be simple, like, great friends and just great family. And it was I, – I, I had that scholarship, and then, I mean, I, I committed – I didn't commit until, like, November, but, like, I knew I was going to be all right, but it was, it was scary, man. It was, it was, it was super yeah. scary, but like, honestly, having those friends, like honestly, straight up, just having just great friends at that time, like I'll like name, like Joe Bonapane, Bio Adiemo, same, the kid who actually hurt me, um, Jeremy <laughs> Jones, Brendan Dudek, just 
awesome. Like just like I mean, you're it's it's different when you're at home and you're being coddled by your mom and stuff like that. But when you're just think about being at school and college and being in that type of situation, but you're actually in high school and you're actually still young and just vulnerable to just the dumb stuff that's out there. And it was it was it was a hard time, but good friends got me through that. So yeah, so speak about that uh, vulnerability a bit, because was that a was that an inflection point or an eye opening moment where you realized that you are mortal and you can be hurt and damaged? Did that, oh, did yeah. that give you any type of uh, impetus to have some backup plans? Yeah, oh, yeah, that was that was uh, that was like a huge like, honestly, that was a huge just like shock of like, damn, like. And I, yeah, we, you know, my you already know my story, Shane, but like. It was that, like, you're on top of the world junior year, you're a star, basketball, I mean, in high school, in football, and you won the state championship in basketball, and, like, you're just on top of the world, and, and when you're on top of the world, that's, I feel like, honestly, that's when you're the most vulnerable for things to take you down, and had that feeling of, like, oh, snap, like, you might not get a scholarship to college anymore, like, so, so did that stick with you? Because, yeah, I know your story, and that's the story I want to kind of bring out because you, you somehow developed then this, uh, not, I want to say a backup plan, but also this career path in real estate. Um, and then we'll touch on that very powerful inflection point that you experienced in Haiti here pretty soon. But, you know, what is, was that the start of, wow, I need to be alert. I need to really think this through. I, I can do what I got to do physically. But I am vulnerable. I can be damaged. I mean, I honestly think so. I, I've never like thought of it from like a not a third person perspective, but looking from the outside in, because I was just living it. Um, but I mean, yeah, it was, that was obviously the, that was honestly the first I wouldn't say major thing that happened. But probably yeah, the first major thing that happened to me that was like enough to not wouldn't say break me, but you know, take me down a little bit and like give you that realization that you need to figure you need to figure like life out. Like you can't be just like this football player because look, you are extremely vulnerable to something like, like this, like your whole world being taken from you because now you don't have an arm. Like what else can you do? So were you actually thinking of did the thought ever cross your mind of, you know, maybe going to the NFL isn't a possibility and what, what were your kind of backup plans and how did you push yourself to go all in on football despite this like kind of gruesome injury? Well, it was really, honestly, right, like then I was not like me. I was, I'll tell you straight. I wasn't thinking about. I mean, I was thinking about going to the NFL. And I, I, I was. I'm such like, I'm one of those people who can just put the blinders on. Like, uh, you guys can still hear me, right? Yeah. Some people kind of have that, I would say, blind faith and just like, not blind faith, but like, I, I just believe something so it's going to happen and don't do anything about it. I was just, I was, I'm one of those people like, I set myself, I've set a goal and then like, I go do it. Like there's, and there's like, it might take a while. I'm, I'm just, I've always had that, I don't need that instant gratification. I really believe in del like super delayed gratification and like, I, I get the, the long, the very, very, very uh, long road, um, um, and 
Well, that, well that's like, a, that, 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 that component is very important throughout life, right? 100%. Having this long-term plan versus the short-term win and staying the course, right? Would you agree? Absolutely. Like, I mean, my, like, this is like the perfect example. And I'll send you this picture too, so you can put it in the show notes or whatever. Um, I, when I was in high school, I was also in honors theater class. Like, shout out to Miss Sherman. She was the most awesome <laughs> teacher ever. And in that class, we had to write a letter to ourselves. And like, this is me, senior year, like, didn't, like, literally didn't even play this year. I knew I was going to Monmouth, but like, I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really anybody, but I knew that, like, that year I put, like, so much work in with that um, that guy, Brandon Dudek, I was telling you about, and I knew I was going to, not, I mean, I was in high school at the time, but I'm like, I can make it to the NFL, and the letter to myself, you wrote, like, a couple things to yourself, like, who is this, who is, who is your best friend in your life right now, what will you, what, in five years, what will you be doing, and I said, in five years, I'll be in the NFL playing wide receiver. And like in five Man. years, I, and like they mail, she mailed that letter. Like, and you, I, I, it was so weird. Like, you write that letter to yourself, and like you literally put the address on it. You put you to Hakeem, like from like the petty school, whatever, whatever. And like, I remember getting the mail, and like most pieces of mail, like from the school, like being honest, like I would throw a lot of them away because it was just like, you know, give alumni, give them back, or whatever, whatever. <laughs> and it was the first piece of mail that I'd gotten from that had pen, like written on the front. Right. I was like, all right, checked it out. And I was like, I mean, bro, like, my heart dropped. It was literally, I just finished my rookie year and I was coming home like that off season. I, and I was like, literally in five years, I was wow. in the NFL playing wide receiver. And it was like, holy shit. I That's completely crazy. forgot about this. That's amazing, man. Wow. So, yeah. so how, how did you take that thought and put it into action? How did you lay out your path? Because it's one thing to have the mental game down, right? Then yeah, there's absolutely. the whole other physical realm you got to put into play. It, it came down to, honestly, like, back to delayed gratification. I mean, I, I was a bench player for the first three years of my career, and, like, I knew I was good enough. I stayed back every summer. I did summer classes so I could train at school and um, get my – mainly it was one so I could get my degree. It was, it was a double whammy. I could train at school, but, I mean, most football players can't graduate in four years because – of football they can't take enough classes during the season and then four years they've graduated their scholarships done but they still got you know 10 15 credits to go and now they got to pay for the last semesters depending on where you're at you know what i'm saying and i wasn't about to let that i, I needed to graduate in four years regardless because i didn't know i was i didn't know if i was going to get a fifth year because your fifth year is not guaranteed unless you're you know what i'm saying unless you're good enough but if you're going to get your fifth year i knew that if i was going to get a fifth year I'm getting my master's because if it's free, it's for me and I need three. So I, I mean, literally every summer I took at least, I'm trying to think how many credits I took at least uh, probably like nine to 12 credits. And then like just doing classes, working out and but putting my head down like every year coming up. Now I'm not, not playing, not even traveling. Like, damn, like politics of football. That's how it is. Some people transfer in those situations. A lot of people get got in trouble in that situation. Like, I, I mean, I know other guys who were in, in my same position, but like just partied their way out of school. A lot of people failed out in those situations because you just got way too much unstructured free time because you don't even have to focus on football because you're not playing anyway. But 
I honestly just, I put my head down and just kept grinding, knowing I was good enough, but just kept putting, like, literally just chop wood, carry water. And, like, I, I mean, I, that was the same time when I was doing real estate, flipping houses at the same time. So it was like, I was occupied and I was, I was getting work done. I was just putting work in. Like every, I was just clock, not clocking in because I don't like that saying, like clocking every day because it just sounds like you're not really doing anything. You're just clocking in for the sake of clocking in. Like I was putting the work in. Like, I mean, you go into like, once I finally got my opportunity and I, cause I moved to tight end. I mean, the work even doubled down. Like, I mean, to the point where like I'm trying to think like I've been in situations where I like my when I moved to tight end I needed to put on like 40 pounds I put on 40 pounds in about two months maybe and I had to take Woo! a lot to yeah bro I was eating like <laughs> I was eating cottage cheese every meal I was eating like <laughs> oh. five slices of pizza every meal oh that's just um, something pizza yeah um, I was taking creatine but I had to make sure I like during the loading phase and creatine you got to you gotta t- you gotta be on it. And you gotta drink like ridiculous amounts of water. But like I was anal about it. Like I could have been at a party and I was I was I had to take it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what <laughs> right. it was. Um, and that was probably was, one of the hardest you've ever done. I'm assuming. Oh, straight up, because it's just I mean, you got the, That's a that's a crux most people can't do. Straight up, and then like off seasons comes that first year. I realized because I only played two years. I played two years of college football. Off season comes up, like that first after my first year of playing, like my senior year, and they grant me that fifth year, I mean, I was balls to the wall, like, put in, like, for example, you ever heard of Arts Fest at Penn State? Uh, I haven't. Have you guys? Uh, no, I have not either. No. Uh-uh. I guess it's it's more of a Jersey, I, I don't know why it's such a Jersey, like, Philly thing. A lot of Jersey Philly uh-huh. people go out there to it, because it's like, it's just a sick weekend at, at Penn State. And, if you have friends at Penn State, a lot of people go out and visit their friends at Penn State. We had some friends out there, and me and my buddy. So I have one of my one of my best friends in growing up, like not growing up, like in college. His name is Zach Fable. Like he was a tight end as well, and like I mean he just straight up like, I mean uh, he had gotten injured, and like that was where the void came in at tight end, and I kind of took his spot essentially, but. I've never seen someone take it that way, like in like a gracious way, like in a sense of like, it wasn't no hate and like it was straight up. He saw the good in me. And when I say like he busted his ass to make me better and then we made each other so much better. And it was like yin and yang, the two tight ends, um, like at Monmouth. But like the example I was getting to with Penn State and Arts Fest is that we were going there one uh, weekend to go visit one of his friends and we didn't like like I had I was on a, a thing where I was getting in like I don't know how many catches what the number was a day but if I didn't get those catches in like it was like that, that had to that had no matter what that was getting done and like we held up the carpool like heading up to Penn State because I we had to get the catches in and like that's just like small things like that I always I, I'm just I'm a guy trying to figure out what's what's because I know I'm an underdog I know I'm, I wasn't give I was not born with talent like I just know that I always them looking for those opportunities where I can work when that other, when that other man isn't working. Like then when you move forward to like before the NFL, like when I was training, I knew that like, it sounds so simple and so cliche, but like being the first man in and the last one to leave, like I did that every single day. Like I was there first so I could work on, I could roll out and do all that type of stuff, get my hands in, get so many catches in before the workout started. And then 
same thing. Like as soon as everybody else was leaving, I was like, ding, there's another opportunity. Everybody's going home. Everybody's going to go, go play video games. Everybody's going to go eat or whatever, whatever. Like I'd stay, you know, do contrast, hot, cold bath, stretch. Then the quarterbacks in like maybe like an hour had like a, there was like a quarterback academy. So I, I came really close with the quarterback coach, Tony Racciope. And I used to just catch for all his qu- quarterback clients, like high school kids, not even catching NFL balls. Like most kid guys won't do that. Cause they just like, who wants to be like hanging out with a bunch of high school kids. But like, it was a way to get more catches. It doesn't matter what size the ball is. It's just hand-eye coordination. And I would catch, I mean, a disgusting amount of balls. And then after they were all done, then I would stay and get my – I would roll out some more to make sure I got all my kinks out. So, like, I was always just fresh and, like, I mean, damn near 14-hour days times, like, wow. literally just putting the work in. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. Can you kind of talk about really how you translated that – insane work ethic that you developed from playing sports and especially football, you know, going above and beyond the call of duty every single day, how that kind of translate into what you're doing right now with your real estate. Um, I mean, it even starts back then, like back then is when I was like, those, during that same exact time, I commute every day. It was about an hour, hour and a half and lunch was about an hour. So about four hours a day, instead of listening to music, I was listening to podcasts and audiobooks on real estate because I knew, this is the first time in my life where if this didn't work out, I mean, I'm moving back at home. Like, you know what I'm saying? What are you about to do? I haven't been making money. You know, I, I, I was, it was time to really make a decision that if football doesn't work out, you need to have a plan. Yeah. And my plan was investing in real estate. And like, I guess how that, how that kind of, kind of translated and how that, that work ethic has translated. I mean, when I was in the NFL, like, I was, I mean, my rookie year, I was living in a, I lived in, most people lived in like Scottsdale or Paradise Valley. I bought a fourplex in Northern Phoenix, which is like not the best neighborhood at all. And lived in one unit, like had a section eight tenant below me and then had two other tenants. And, but my tenants paid my mortgage and I cash flowed a little bit. And it really got the ball rolling for me as a real estate investor. Um, but during my free times, like my rookie year off season, as soon as that off season hit, I made a post on this website called bigger pockets, um, saying like, hi, I'm a, I'm a new, I'm a just finished my rookie year at the Arizona Cardinals. Um, trying to, uh, connect with local investors. I'm interested in multifamily real estate. Um, like just looking to connect and like everybody who like said, Hey, welcome or Hey, whatever. And, or messaged me, I took them all out to coffee. And like, I mean, I, I had the time, like it was, it was the off season and just picked all of their brains and I mean, annoying to them to the point where it's annoying, probably like, <laughs> got to check out, got to check out their properties, got to, um, like insight on what their investment strategies were, what kind of creative yeah. things that they were doing, all of that. And then like, boom, got cut from the Cardinals and got my, my manager Airbnbs that pro, that unit I was living in and then went to the Lions. Did the same exact thing with the Lions, like bought a duplex, lived in one side, lived in one half of it and Airbnb upstairs to cover my mortgage. Made that same exact type of post and started linking up with investors in the Detroit area. Um, after my second year, as that was closing, I was on the practice squad. So I had even more free time. I hired a demographer to do research into the different markets across the country. Cause I knew that as soon as January 1st and started, I wasn't about to waste a day. I was going to hit the road to start figuring out the next markets that I wanted to invest in. So I could get out of the small, you know, duplex, fourplex oh. world. And as soon as January 1st hit, like the five markets that I had 
had decided on, I spent three days in each market meeting with property managers, brokers, attorneys, investors, um, and really getting to learn those markets up and down. So then when I found a property in those markets, I already knew I already had teams set up and all of that. And like, I mean, that same off season, I went to the NFL um, business academy, um, which is amazing. It was, there's like a four or five day uh, academy where you learn all different types of things at University of Michigan. Um, awesome experience. Did the NFL Speakers Bureau, where it's, it was in LA, where you're learning about the different facets of public speaking. And now I'm, I'm I've started my public speaking career as well. Um, and like it just it it honestly just it kind of just that, like that grind. And as it, as the grind continued, like transitioning into this year and like me retiring, like this year I, I really realized like my heart was out of football and like I knew that I was ready to you know move forward into what I loved doing, which was real estate, doing all that stuff. Cause I realized every off season for the first three months, you know, I was hitting the gas, ripping and running, moving, making stuff happen. And then as soon as March, April hit, I had to hit the brakes every time because I had to start getting ready for football. And like once you're in that football mindset, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, I wouldn't say it's hard to shift back and forth, but now you're getting super tired. And then after finishing my second, finishing my second year, my fiance, she was pregnant at the time. So like, you got to work life balance as well. So you got to, you know, happy wife, happy life. Um, and moving forward into this season, after having my daughter during preseason, it was like, I mean, you look at my notebook from this year, it's half of the pages is what's going on in like the, 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 the room, like notes from like, okay, it's Dallas Cowboys this week, X, Y, blah, 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 blah. And the other half of the page is to-do list. Who do you got to call today? You got to call this investor. You got to call this person. You need to do this. You need to figure out this with that system. You need to tell this, that, and that. Boom. And it was, I mean, it was a grind. Like you're waking up earlier. So in the morning you can get some calls knocked out and go into the facility. I mean, reading in the sauna, um, you know, soon as you get back home, you hang out with the daughter until she goes to sleep and then you're grinding until midnight, one in the morning and back up at six o'clock every, like, I get, it's a, like, I, I, I am a strong survivor off of like five hours of sleep, five, six hours of sleep. I mean, I believe you need to get more. Um, but while you're young, I mean, it's about how much it's what you want and what are you willing to sacrifice to get it? And I know that it's helped me up to this point and it's got me the upper edge on people. And I know it's going to, I know if people, cause I know the caliber of what it takes to get to the NFL and that type of work ethic got me there. I mean, mm -hmm. one, there's only 32 times three tight ends in the world in the NFL. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if I can do that yeah. off of my work ethic, then I think I can do that with real estate as well. Absolutely. Wow, man. Wow. Yeah, that's I'm, deep. I'm entirely blown away. I think like, you know, being cracking into the NFL in and of itself is already like a super impressive feat. You talked about there being only, you know, three times 32 tight ends in the world. And I think another thing that's really important is, you know, kind of coming down and realizing that like the best way to learn is from people. I think, you know, school is great being a student. I learn a lot from school, but I think I've learned so much more about life from talking to people. I think Shane's a great example of a guy that's taught me so much just from having phone calls and picking his brain about random topics. So yeah, 100%. I mean, I feel that right now meeting with all these like adults, I guess, like in the finance industry, like hearing their opinions on things. And it, it's just, it's a different kind of learning from school. So to hear you kind of like find your way in the real estate industry by just making simple posts on like an online forum and just having conversations, taking that out to coffee, that that's astounding to me, man. 
A hundred percent. I mean, like when you're talking about same exact thing. You ever read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad? I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. Definitely read it. But like the analogy in it is like to this kid who has a rich dad, who is his best friend's dad, who's like an entrepreneur and kind of does what he wants, lives his life under his terms. And he's considered his rich dad and his poor dad is his actual real dad. But his poor dad isn't necessarily poor. He's the secretary of education, I believe, in Hawaii and like makes almost like a six figure salary, I think. But like his spending methods, his his the way he thinks about money is completely different. It's it's poor mindset. And yeah. that's how I saw my college experience was a rich dad, poor dad experience, because like my major was business with a concentration in real estate. But I didn't really learn much about how to invest in real estate. But at the time, the girl I was dating, her dad's was a real estate investor. And he kind of took me under his wing and we flipped almost like 10 houses together in New Jersey. And I mean, I learned so much more doing that than I learned in a four year degree. It's unreal. Like, but it was, that was, that was the rich dad, poor dad experience. Like I saw, like, it was just like that from the, from the college versus the entrepreneur world. It's, mm-hmm. it's completely different. That's amazing, man. And you know, what's, what's funny is, you know, you and I, when we first met, we talked and I know when you're giving your story, there was a very interesting inflection point that you haven't talked about yet. You know, we've talked about, you know, the, the drive to win, the competitive nature, the people you've met along the way that have been mentors, you know, how you absorbed information. But then there's those hard-hitting life incidents that, what I say, creates your carbon footprint. And as you know here at Carbon, this is all about the power of an individual. But that carbon footprint is really that mark you want to leave on humanity. And when you, you and I talked, there was this moment that happened in Haiti that changed your life forever and gave you something that you needed to do more. Can you describe what, what that situation was and how that all came about? Yeah, absolutely. So it was, um, you know, I'm Haitian, like I said at the beginning of the call. It was after I got finished my undergrad in May of 2015, like two or three days after graduation, me, my mom, my dad, my grandma, and a bunch of nurses from Villanova and like different people from our, our church, um, we went on a missionary trip to Haiti. And, you know, we, we gave out medicine, set up like mobile clinics at different orphanages and churches across the country. And uh, it was awesome. It was the most beautiful week of my life. Like, I mean, it was, I had been on a cruise before and went to Labadee, which we call fake Haiti compared to like real Haiti. Cause it's like, I don't know if you guys know, like Labadee is a part of Haiti that's owned by Royal Caribbean, but there's like a 15 foot wall that actually separates actual Haiti and you need like a special ID badge to even go to that part of the island. And it's, it's honestly screwed up. It was like, it was awful when I went there, like on the cruise, I felt terrible. Um, but now I got to experience, you know, my, like real Haiti and experience my, my actual culture. And it was the most beautiful week of my entire life. Um, until it was May, May 29th, 2015. And we were playing, uh, spades, the car game in the middle of the night, um, like right by the door. And all of a sudden, you hear this. So it was a storm, and we lived on. We were on like a compound, and had like ten foot wall, ten a ten foot wall with barbed wires around the top of it. There was a storm though that night, so we had a steel door and a screen door. We opened up the steel door to let the breeze come in because it's so hot and like we didn't have air conditioning. And we're playing spades, and you hear this loud pow, 
And like my instant reaction was, I thought it was the electric fly swatter because we were killing bugs like all week with it. <laughs> and all of a sudden you see a foot <laughs> kick through the front door and the guy sitting across the table from me, T, he jumps across the table and tackles me out of my chair because he realized what was happening. I was still like frozen. And that guy who shot through the front door then turns his gun at us and shoots at us like pow, shoots again. Like, but because he tackled us, like they shot at the wall, we were on the floor. And then he flips over the table that was we were playing cards at, and uh, there was a girl next to us. She had a shawl on, and they ripped it into pieces and hogtied us all. So tied us at our wrist, tied us at our ankles, tied our feet to our hands, and then blindfolded us. And, like, I thought that was it. I mean, they went room to room and stole everything. Like, the women stacked on top of each other inside of the shower and closed the curtains. Um, and it was, I mean, it was wild. It was, uh, it was awful you know, i saw my life flash in front of my eyes i came to peace with the fact that i was gonna die i was super i was super grateful and thank my little brother had just gotten drafted to the oakland raiders like a few weeks before so i was just super thankful that he was gonna go go on to like live like his dream like and go on to live and tell our story and uh it was it was insane and like, i mean i urinated on myself and there was a pastor who was staying with us who was, li- who was in this bedroom that was, if you didn't know there was a bedroom back there, you wouldn't have looked. And he calls the police, um, you know, send help, we're under attack. And the police say, where are you guys at? Yeah, no way, we're coming out there. And hang up. So he then calls his, the, one of the neighbors saying, go outside with your gun and empty the clip out into the air. So all of a sudden outside, all I hear is like an entire clip being emptied and not, I don't, I don't even speak Creole, so I don't even understand what the people are saying. So I don't know, is the, com- is the country under attack? Like, what is happening? Um, and then you finally hear sirens. You don't even hear sirens from the distance yet. After the guns go off, we thought that they had left. And my dad had untied himself, crawls out to the front, and closes the steel door shut. And in reality, they were on our compound still in the little health clinic that we had on the, the compound, still in the medicine and stuff like that. And then about... You know, he unties himself, closes the steel door, starts to untie me. Then, like, all of a sudden you hear doom, 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 loud bang at the door. Doom, doom, doom. Then yelling in Creole. And then they just start shooting out the windows. And my dad's yelling, okay, 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 okay. And opens up the door. They retie him up, throw him back on top of me. I thought they were going to kill him and go through the house again. And then that pastor had done the prayer that morning at the prime minister's office. He called the prime minister himself saying, send the police, like we're under attack. And finally you hear sirens in the distance and the bandits, they scurried off. And I mean, the police, they were there for five to 10 minutes, told us to take pictures on our phones and cameras, which we didn't have and said, bring them by the station if you want and good luck. And that was, I mean, that was, it was insane. I started and then that happened and I started grad school like three, four days later. It was, and I was, I was messed up, Jesus you know, PTSD, I was shit. all type of messed up. And like, it came to the point where, I mean, I was one time hanging out with a friend and like somebody scared me and like put me in tears. Like it was a wild, wild experience. And like, once I finally kind of got over it, the bittersweet part about of it was everything got quiet, like in my head, like I didn't give, I didn't care about anything. 
I didn't care what anybody said about anything. I didn't care about what I was doing. I knew I knew what I was doing. I knew I had an opportunity in front of me, and it was time to take advantage of it, like straight up, taking advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime, like in the lifetime of the opportunity. And like it got quiet, but the grind got real. Like you can't, you couldn't break me at that point. You can't break a man who's seen damn near death before. It's like you can put me through whatever you want, but it's not. It's not as bad as being tied up, covered in your piss, about to die. Like most things wow. in life aren't that bad. So yeah. it's, 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 it, trust me, most things are okay. And like, it, it makes me realize why I have such an easygoing, happy go lucky personality because like I realize how precious life is and how good we have it as well. And you think about it from a, if this, you want to talk about real life and just the, the world we live in. Two weeks later, those guys tried to do it again to another group of missionaries and two out of eight of them got caught. And the town and the police, they burned them alive in front of everybody and then shot them dead. Right. See, I mean, this, this, I mean, it's so powerful beyond words, right? That's the world we live in, though. It it is. And that's the real stuff that, you know, a lot of people in this country don't realize goes on. Don't even even, even fathom it. No. But, you know, these, we talked about this too when when we followed up a little bit after our first meeting, though, that. These reference points in life are so important because it helps us gauge where we really are in the current day on the on, on the range of the spectrum that we've experienced. And you no and doubt, you can't bro. appreciate the light unless you know the dark. Exactly. But you've experienced a level of dark most people will never have. Exactly. It's a it's a it's a it's a different type of mindset. It's it's uh. I wish people. I wish it could get as quiet as it is in my head for other people, because you'd realize how much you're not, like how much you're caring about other people's opinions and not doing what you truly want to do. Yeah, and Akeem, I know you, you're from Guyana as well, and I don't know if you've heard of similar stories there. Um, my know, parents remember, have been through shit like that. Yeah, yeah. My parents have had to deal with bandits when I was a baby, shooting like shooting at the walls, stealing jewelry, stealing everything, man. Uh, bandits are a huge thing in Guyana. It definitely gets scary. Even when I go there, like, and there's a storm or something, like, I'm always worried about bandits, you know? And I don't ever want to have to experience something like that because just from hearing from you, that sounds horrible. Yeah, man. It's real. And our day's going by. You don't think about it. It's, it's, it's right. So, so, right so how do you turn that around in your everyday life now and use that for a drive to make a change. I'm, I'm assuming it's through some of the educational initiatives you're doing right now. Absolutely. So I've been, you know, going back to different schools and teaching them, one, how to invest in real estate, because I think that it's not like it's a passion of mine, but I don't essentially try and pass my passion on to someone. I just try and show people that investing in real estate like you don't have to necessarily most people like the stigma around real estate is that you got to be 40 years old and wealthy in order to invest in real estate when in reality you can network your way into your first real estate deal you can figure out ways you know how you can add value to someone you know most the, you know, the most three things that people have is either money talent or time in terms of assets and like most young people like that are in college like the biggest asset we have is our time and most like entrepreneurs or billionaires or people who could potentially help you get to where you want to be, they need, they don't have time. Like they, they, their time is their most precious asset. 
And like, I mean, I know me, time is my, like I, I'm, I'm so stingy about my time because it's, it's the most expensive thing out there. And I essentially show them different ways of how you can add value to a real estate investor. And now you can, it unlocks you to now not get stuck in the system like everybody else does. Cause if you don't, as soon as college ends, you got to get a job to start paying off your debt or you're going to live at home. So if you got to get a job, then you're going to work, what, 40 years, 40 hours a week to retire on 40% of your income, live another 40 years and die. And like, that's what 97% of America does. Like 3% of America owns 97% of all the wealth for a reason, because they all did something different. And most of them started with investing in real estate and it's not something that you have to obviously do 24 seven and make it like a, a passion of yours. But if you can figure out a way to unlock some type of pass, passive income coming in for now, if you're, you know, if you're, you want to start just a podcast and that's what you're passionate about is interviewing every person that's over 85 years old in the country, you're probably not going to make a lot of money for the first two years doing it. You probably, you might get hot after year two or year three, but if you're working a nine to five, ain't no way you're being able to do something like that. Like most people are just like their talent, their inter, their inner passion is just, it's locked up somewhere in the back of the deep abyss of their soul because they're stuck in the, the everyday struggle, like the everyday grind. And like, I'm empathetic to those people. Cause I, I understand like something you think about our parents, our grandparents, they didn't have the opportunities that we have right now in 2019, like with the social media, with the way just the world is working, how fast and how much technology is really just taken over. And it's just one of those things where it's time to like, if you hop on board with what's going on right now, it can really change your life. Yeah, yeah man. That, that's yeah. Deep. But you know what? It's so true at the same time. It's like, if you learn these things so much earlier on and, and having people like you is just a blessing because you, know, we, you, you don't even learn how to balance your checkbook until later in life. You don't understand how to buy a car until you get screwed the first time. Like, exactly. there's these, right? Like there's so many critical things that you think schools or some type of education would prep you for. And I know there's groups out there trying to advance that now, but you know, once you're past a certain point, you're just kind of on your own unless somebody takes the initiative like yourself to really drop some knowledge and tell you how it is and, and what you should be looking out for. Exactly, man. It's, it's, uh, there's, I mean, there's social constructs set up. So people are, are withheld a lot of that information. So the rich can continue to stay rich and the poor can continue. I wouldn't say poor, but just everybody else can continue to stay in, in their lane. But, it's up to just educating yourself. And I mean, I see myself as I've, 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 I've seen the other side, like playing in the NFL, understanding that there's a, there's just, there's a life of abundance out there. And it's not, it's not just some special club that like anybody can be a part of it. It's just, you got to shift your mindset. You got to shift your everyday habits. You got to change. What are you willing to sacrifice? Like sacrifice what you are, who you are for what and who you want to become. And most people aren't willing to sacrifice and it, I'm not saying that's wrong. It, it is what it is. Well, that's interesting. I mean, just that concept alone of what are you willing to do? Because there is a certain pedigree and expectations 
let's be honest, there's a system and a machine behind almost everything we touch and feel every day. Someone that we'd like to call Oz. That's right. <laughs> As we discussed, that's right. It's always somebody behind the curtain pulling the levers and setting the stage. At the end of the day, anything is accomplishable and anything be, can be achieved. But what are you willing to do to bend yourself to be able to become that? Because I don't think just striving towards something is enough. I think you have to become exactly what is needed and, and mold yourself to, to fit in that box. Would you agree with that? I'd, I agree. But from the box perspective, I'm always like, I don't, I, don't, I hate boxes. Me too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Boxes, yeah. Everybody, boxes, boxes, boxes. You wake up, you sleep in a box-sized bed, you live in a box, you get in a box car, you go in a box office and a box building and all of that. But I'm all about living outside the box and the box, I think, be yourself, like, in terms of, like, who you are. Like, if you don't like to wear suit jackets or sport coats and don't like straight up amen amen it's it's like if you're a businessman and you won't want to wear it's like you don't have to like most people think that you have to to be a businessman or you have to put entrepreneur in your social your social media profile or something like that to fit in that entrepreneur box or you have to go get a mercedes-benz because now you're selling uh houses and you want to show your car you want to show people off in in your nice car or you know you gotta there's the the there i i believe that you i i I was saying it from a and i'm not trying to correct what you're saying i was saying from like a mindset perspective Mm -hmm. but like from a physical perspective like some people so many people are just trying to fit in and like you know people want people want the luxuries of what it what an entrepreneur being an entrepreneur can bring, but not really realizing what an entrepreneur is and what that lifestyle is really like and what you're going to have to go through in order to get what you want. And it's people don't realize it's not that destination. People are always you know, looking for that destination and, you know, close their eyes and turn off the vibrations of what's going on actually around them in seek and search and in, in a transit to that destination. When in reality, like, the success is truly found during that journey. And when, if you keep your eyes open during that journey, you'll really get the true, see like the true blessings of life. Yeah, man. No, I, I kind of set you up for that question. Cause uh, <laughs> you're going to answer it that way. Cause I got, you know, when you look at guys like Jason and Akeem and I talked to so many others who you'll want to end up on wall street and have these like aspirations, everyone tells them they have to fit in the box. And you know what? Like you, like me, and probably like these guys on the phone right now, like we never fit in a box. We're never gonna fit in a box. I want to sit. I don't want to fit in a fucking box, right? <laughs> I've always been about disrupting shit, and that's why I've never really fit in anywhere um, uh, until what I'm doing now. I've kind of felt I've caught my stride, but the, the there's always these mechanics and systems that you know try to push you towards normalization. But what you just described is exactly what creates uniqueness and value at the end of the day. Absolutely. No, 100%. Like it's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I appreciate the, the setup for that question. I, <laughs> I, I was, I was just, I was, I was like about to agree. And I'm like, nah, I, I hate, <laughs> like boxes are the worst, man. It's, 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 
it's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous game to be caught in because then 40 years go by, then 50 years go by, and you're still yeah. in that. And then the last, box. the last box you end up before you go into the ground exactly. is a box of threat. <laughs> and Damn. that is probably the most painful box to ever be in. Damn, that's real. <laughs> it's real. Yeah. It's, uh, that's, as, that's as real as it gets. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, I feel the same way about like fitting in and being put into a box. I think like, I was one of the few Asian kids in my school, so I kind of got like stereotyped into being like an engineer and whatnot. And I kind of like went against that grain and like being investment making analysts, I guess, isn't that different. But and I wanted, I wanted people to know that I was much more than just a guy who was good at math that wore glasses. And I think, you know, going like doing what you really want to do and doing what you're really passionate about life and getting outside of the box is something that I myself have been trying to do. And I think that's one of the main reasons I really wanted to be a part of this podcast project here. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, same bro. with me, man. Like, uh, everybody always thinks, like, I'm Asian or Indian or something, man. I'm so much more than that. I'm a Guyanese. I'm a mix of people. I, I'm not just, I just don't fit into this Asian box, this Indian box. I'm so much more than that. Oh, 100%. It goes back to even to me, like, being a football player. Most people are like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't like to define myself as a football player because that's not who I am. And, like, you know, some people, it's, some people are, I wouldn't say just football players, but some people lock themselves in that box they go they go play football all day they go home they put on sports center then they go and play video games all night they then watch whatever game is on that night and then go to sleep and do that over again and do that for their 10-year career of NFL, like being an nfl player and like 10 years just went by and that's what you just did right <laughs> like you're an egg like, that's i wouldn't say defining yourself but it's a way that some people just like that's all they know, eat, sleep, drink football or whatever sport they're doing back to, I'm not saying that <clears throat> that is like wrong. I'm not saying that that's like the wrong way to do it. Like I'm, I just living in this time and age, bro. We have so many more opportunities than like our parents and grandparents had. Like, it's almost, I wouldn't say wrong, because I don't think I don't think anything's right or wrong or judge you for doing what you're doing, but there's so much opportunity. So, so man, what's what's driving you kind of in this next phase of your life then? I, I know you're hanging up the hat in, in the NFL. What, what are your most passionate endeavors, and what are you trying to do over the next 10, 20 years? Um, I mean, right now I'm at a very grassroots level of, just teaching people how to invest in real estate and like not expecting anything back. Um, just really just trying to share what my, what my, what my experience and what my journey has brought me and how you can do it yourself. Like as a young kid or a young, a young college person, because I really believe that if I had someone like myself in my ear at my age, because I felt, I wouldn't say I felt like I was alone because most people didn't really understand what I was doing. Like I've always just been in my own head not in a bad way, but do like, it's all, it's just been like, there's not been doing it for anybody else except myself. Like there's no one else that, you know, I'll be talking about, yeah, I'm about to go do this. I'm about to do that. Like a lot of people announce, you know, a lot of people announce their moves so much and don't really do anything with it. It's more of, I just, what type of results and show you the results. Um, but you know, what really gets that fire going right now is just, one real estate projects, different real estate projects across the country, um, and 
speaking. Like I've been, I've probably done about in the last two months, like six or seven engagements um, from a smaller and larger scale. I've got a couple coming up this month as well. Um, and it's been just awesome telling my story. It's, it, it really lights that fire um, inside of me. And yeah, it's kind of really where I've been at and it's takes up, I mean, it takes up my entire day and then raising my new six month old daughter, trying to be the best dad in the world. That's probably the hardest job in this day and age. I can't even imagine. Um, I've never been blessed no with that opportunity, but uh, I, I just can't imagine what that, what that's going to entail in the next couple of years. Unreal, bro. <laughs> Unreal. Well, before you get caught up in that, uh, you know, we have one last big physical challenge we're going to have to do. So Hakeem is going to be joining me and a few other athletes and potentially some Olympians to do the Operation Water Fitness Challenge on World Water Day, which is going to be March 22nd. We're still trying to nail down our time, but uh, we're going to walk from Water Street down in lower Manhattan all the way up to Times Square and then over to the Mozambique Embassy as uh, we are building awareness about the journey that millions of women and children make every day just to get this life vital resource uh, that keeps us going called water. Uh, it literally costs them their lives, their education, their livelihood, having to make this journey. Part of the uh, projects we're doing at Carbon and with Operation Water is to build this sustainable piping and infrastructure, which then can lead to an energy grid, communication and education. And, you know, we're trying to influence the power of sports to actually have, you know, some fitness with a purpose. And I'm, I'm so honored to have uh, Hakeem join me with that. I know this is going to be harder than we think. I don't know if you've ever done anything like that, but it's literally like carrying two 45-pound weights, uh, one in each arm, and we're going to be going for about four miles. I'm, uh, I'm always up for a challenge. It's, it's, it'll, be, it'll be a very, 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 very tough mental uh, challenge, but if I have a lot of people around me as well doing it with me, um, in the next couple of days I'll be challenging a lot of my colleagues um, to join me on this day. And uh, I think that's that's what will ultimately get us over the edge. <laughs> that's awesome. So any of you guys out there listening to this podcast, if you want to join us, uh, you can find more information on the operationwater.org website. We'll be uh, announcing this soon. But um, I know I'm not going to be able to swim the next day and probably the day after that because uh, <laughs> I, I already did a little bit of this on uh, over the past weekend, and uh, it was a little hard turning over the arms the other day so i can't imagine gonna bro. be rough but you know what it's worth it because at the end of the day like we said this is nothing compared to what people go through every day and if we can just do this one day to uh shine a light on that um you know more power to it yeah, hakeem yeah. is there anything else you want to add man this has been an an amazing conversation i cannot thank you enough for being on here do we miss no, it? I think, uh, no, I think we uh, I think we touched on about everything. I I uh, really enjoyed being on here with you guys. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's it's uh, conversations like this is what just keep me excited about just life and just excited about the future. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much, Hakeem. I just feel so inspired from this. Honestly, I just I really just want to get to work right now and what I want to accomplish. In <laughs> oh so man, go go crush <laughs> instant it! Instant impact right there. Yeah, man. instant <laughs> impact. Man. That's thank awesome. You so much. Go, go crush it, brother. You, That's you got, what you, it's got, all you got about, a lot. Man. You got a lot Dude, more was, time than you think. 
It was honestly great. Uh, your stories, everything. You're doing real estate while doing football and really just knowing, like, you didn't put all your eggs in one basket and you really knew what you had to do to get it done. Thank you so much. No problem, brother. I appreciate you guys having me out here on the show. There you go. This is it, man. Authentic individuals, inspiring stories. Leave only your carbon footprint behind.